All right, well, this morning we're, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13 a bit. Um, uh, for, before we get there, I would just like to um, pray first and then share a little bit about uh, who I am so you get a little acquainted and then we can dig into God's Word together. Uh, so let's pray. Dear Father, we want to just especially really thank you this morning. Uh, for your goodness, for your mercy towards each of us. Lord, what a wonderful thing it is that we could know that our sins are forgiven, that we could know that we're cleansed and washed. Uh, Lord, by no work of our own, uh, Lord, a lot of us have tried over, over the years to, to do it ourselves, and it always fails. But, Lord, you have made the way that all of our sin would be taken away. Jesus, you died and you rose again, that each of us might know that there is life and life eternal, that there is deliverance from bondage to the flesh. Lord, that we do have a home in glory. And we just thank you, Lord, that we get to go there. Not because we've been so perfect, but because you are perfect. And we trust in you. And so, God, thank you for Andy. Uh, Thank you for Jamie and for Beth. Uh, Thank you for how you've worked in their lives. Just just in the last year or two, God, the, the amazing things you've done in this couple. And, Lord, as they get ready to go out now, uh, we pray that you would teach us and guide us and uh, I, I ask for Calvary Chapel Buell that you would keep them very connected uh, with their friends, Andy and Jamie and Beth. Lord, we know it's a it's a, not an it's not an easy field in the UK. The ground is has become very hard to the gospel, and yet, Lord, you have sent and are sending many men and women. Uh, to go and once again preach the gospel to a land that gave us so many rich things in the gospel. So, God, we just ask you to to guide the service now. Stir our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, where am I? I'm at Calvary Chapel Buell. Just give me a second here. I came to the Lord in 1971, was raised a Roman Catholic, had a sense of God in a way, went to church, went to Mass, did all the things Catholics do, was even in a Catholic seminary for my first three three years of high school and then got kicked out in my junior year. And uh, so I, I thank God this morning that you know, for my mom and dad, and I thank them for the way they raised me, or tried to raise me. <laughs> um, and then I kind of went off and did my own thing. It was the late 60s and early 70s, and any of you who are remnants of that age probably know a little bit what I'm talking about. But Jesus, in his, his mercy, um, just took hold of my life, and I hitchhiked out here to California from Chicago and ran into a lot of Jesus people when I got here and uh, turned my life over to the Lord uh, just about a week after I arrived here. I got involved with uh, the local, the church that I, some of the people were attending, met my wife there, Uh, we got married there, stepped out into full-time ministry there in 76, served there for five years. And then a door opened in Escondido, California, northern San Diego County, a little church, about 30 folks that lost their pastor. And uh, so my wife and I just would never set foot in Escondido. Uh, but here we were, uh, or there we were, and, and God was beginning to do a work in us. And I said to the Lord when we got there, Lord, you know, if you don't want me to stay here, that's cool. <laughs> 
that's okay. Because I, I was just, I, I left the church of a couple of thousand and, you know, was on the pastoral staff there and the college ministry that I was leading was four times the size of this little church that I was now stepping into. But God used it to teach me and he used it to train me. And uh, 27 years later, he said, okay, now it's time to move on. And, of course, if you've done anything for 27 years and enjoyed it, that's not an easy break. Uh, some of you guitar players will know, you know, if you keep playing for a long time, your hands, when you take them off the neck of the guitar, stay like this. Or if you've been swinging a hammer all day, you know, sometimes you have to just pry your fingers off of it. And uh, I had lost my identity. God reminded me who my identity was in, that it wasn't in the church, it was in him. And that was important for me. During that same season, I lost my first wife to cancer. Uh, the same year that uh, Pastor Brent passed away, uh, my wife passed away. And Pastor Gerald Hagerman's, who a lot of you know, um, uh, his wife Cindy passed away. And God worked things out that Gerald ended up marrying Marilee, and Marilee introduced me to her very, very, very best friend, Pamela, who I'm married to now. And I just love how the Lord does full circle ministry. Because <laughs> I knew Marilee when she was in high school. She was in the high school group while I was pastoring the college group. Um, and very when, when, when uh, her brother Mike came up to Twin Falls, we, we, had, we would come up with teams, you know, several teams coming up and got to know their kids when they were just itty-bitty. And I, I, any of you who know BJ would know that he's not itty-bitty. If any could, you know, I didn't think guys could get bigger than Brent, but, but BJ is bigger than Brent. Um, so there's a sweet connection there, uh, you know, with this fellowship. Um, and been praying for you guys a lot. And it's just such a delight to see how God has been working with you, uh, in you, and uh, through you. You know, I was looking at your bulletin, a lot of different, I mean, this church has got a lot of things going on. You know, you got your, you're feeding pe- people, you're helping people get off of addictions, um, you're being a light in this community, and you got the gals flying kites. You know, I mean, I don't know how you did that, but it's interesting. <laughs> Um, and then in 2010, I married my wife, Pamela. Um, and uh, when, when Marilee called me and told me about her, she said, uh, oh, yeah, she's a lieutenant commander in the Navy. She's the active duty Navy. I go, that's interesting. And she goes, oh, yeah, she's a, she's a family medicine doctor. <laughs> I go, great. You're setting me up with a doctor. That's going to go well. And then she says, but she doesn't talk a lot. She's, she's really shy. So you're going to have to carry the conversation. Now, talking's never been a problem for me. But I was extremely nervous. Drove three hours out to Yucca Valley, Yucca Valley from San Diego. And I'm going, what am I doing? But God had a plan. And six months later, we were married. You know, I, I look at my life from where it was about five years ago, losing my wife, turning over my church, and then I got really sick myself and was in and out of hospitals for about three years. <laughs> and you go, Lord, weren't you supposed to come back before all this stuff happened? How many of you have thought that? You know, I mean, having to tweak my eschatology here a little bit. But he is so good. And he's so faithful. And I'm grateful to still be able to share the love of Jesus. And the younger guy turned the church over to who was my age when I came to Escondido. I had a church of 30. He had a church of 600. (laughs) And I just chuckle at some of the stuff that he's going through. So pray for Calvary Escondido, which changed their name to, uh, what is their new name? Cross-connection of Escondido. Uh, God's still doing a work there. 
and and I'm very grateful for the years I had there. Um, and it's also a joy just to get to know other fellowships now. As I work with Shepherd Staff Missions Facilitators, uh, we have a tremendous heart for the local church, raising up their own people <clears throat> and sending them out full-time into the field. And uh, But it's not just handling the administrative support for those missionaries. It's connecting with the missionaries' home church and maintaining a relationship with that home church while their missionary is out in the field. And so Calvary Chapel Buell, not just the elders up here, but the whole congregation are sending out these guys. They're sending out this family to serve and to see what God's going to do next. And and life is certainly a tremendous adventure. And and they have had an adventure just in the last couple of years, just in how they've been come together and changing of life and giving up of old habits and digging into God's word and studying like crazy. And Jamie probably didn't want me to say this, but she fell last night, had to be taken to the hospital, strained her back. Jamie had a paper that's due tonight. What was the subject of that paper? Christian ethics. And so I texted him, well, that's easy. Follow Jesus. Except most professors don't accept a two-word answer. Could you do me a big favor? Third row back is my bottle of water on the, on the floor over there. Thank you. Thank you, brother. So that's a little bit of my background. And uh, love you guys and now want to, uh, want to dig into what God has for us in his word. In the book of Acts, we've got also a really tremendous adventure unfolded before us, the adventure of the, the early church, how it came into being, um, the ways it got started and what God was doing. Initially, the early church was comprised just of Jews. It was, it was a Jewish church who had now received their Messiah. However, you know that the situation that Jesus was facing with the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees was not really open to having a Savior that would die. They wanted a military leader. They wanted somebody that was was just going to, by the power of God, just zap all of their enemies, and then the Messiah would reign on David's throne. Well, that's still going to happen. just hasn't happened yet. And a major thing needed to be done for the human race. They had a serious problem with sin. Would you agree with me? We still have a serious problem with sin. And the way our world is going... I still am so anticipating, come quickly, Jesus. Let's wrap this thing up. But the Lord says, no, not yet. We still have a few more that need to come into the kingdom. And that's why we're still here. We are here for a purpose. Every single one of you who know Jesus, you are here for a purpose. And if you don't know Jesus and have been spinning your wheels and just kind of, what is life about? What is meaning? Well, let's get high. Let's do this. Let's party. Let's do that. You know what I mean? And you do all of that stuff and you wake up the next morning and you feel lousy. But then you, you crave to do it again. And you're always searching for stuff. When you come to Jesus, the search is over. And the life begins. How many of you have experienced that and know what I'm talking about? All right, raise them high. Raise them high. Now, if any of you are here that aren't sure or just don't like raising your hands in church, that's cool. Um, but you saw a lot of people who just raised their hands. And when we're done here this morning, you might have a chance to just say, hey, would you pray for me? You know, I don't know a lot about this stuff, but I know that my life is a mess on the inside. And you can have wealth on the outside and success worldly on the outside and still be very empty on the inside. And this is what was happening in Jerusalem. And people were coming to know the Lord. And then people were spreading. Then, then a persecution started and, uh, you know, Stephen went out and preached, um, you know, in front of the, in front of the whole council and they all freaked out at him and, 
were ripping their hair out and their clothes and dragged him out to have him stoned to death. And there was a guy named Saul, one of the younger Pharisees, that was watching everything happen. Not too long after that, this same Saul heading to Damascus to arrest and imprison or kill these Christians was knocked off his horse by none other than Jesus Christ himself. Now, Jesus had already risen, so that was, that was pretty intense. But that Saul became Paul, the apostle. Paul, the one that God would use to write, you know, half of the New Testament. A life that was so radically changed, that was so radically messed up. Had a lot of stuff up here. Even had a lot of religion. But didn't have that relationship with the Savior. And that's a, that's how we're, that's what we're blessed with. Count of joy, my brethren. So, there were situations happening. Um, God was beginning the work in the church. Um, there was a very diverse group of people that were hearing the gospel through Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 2. Um, they were from all over the, uh, the area that today would be the, the eastern part of the Mediterranean from Africa all the way up to where Syria, Lebanon is, over even into Greece and Cyprus. Um, there were thousands of people there on the feast day of Pentecost. And when Peter got up and preached, by the time he was done, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And it just spread. It just spread from there. Saul, Paul gets saved in Acts chapter 9. Um, blows into Jerusalem and finds it, finds out very quickly that, uh, He's going to need to wait a while, and so they let him escape, and he goes to Tarsus, and he spends 13 years in Tarsus, growing, learning, absorbing, absorbing the scriptures with a born-again heart. You know, you can read the scriptures, and okay, it's it's an ancient book, but when you're born again, you open the pages of this book, and now it becomes life. And it becomes alive and it feeds you. And we need God's word, right? Uh, one of the Psalms says, you know, I, I, maybe it was Job said, I, 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 I hunger for God's, for his word more than my daily bread. And I like my daily bread. And glazed, you know, butter, you know, all the stuff I shouldn't be eating. But this is the stuff I should be eating. And so uh, we shift back to Peter. He has a vision. In Acts chapter 10, he sees this, this big sheet coming down and all kinds of unclean animals, unclean as far as a Jew was concerned, in there. And he hears a voice from heaven saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, No, Lord, I've never touched anything unclean. You know, I can't do that. And then it happens again. Same thing. Same voice. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. Can't do it, Lord. Third time. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. And then he said something really interesting. He said, what what God has cleansed, don't call common anymore. What God has cleansed, don't call unclean anymore. And I can just go, what God has cleansed, I can stand and say, I'm not unclean anymore because Jesus has changed my life. And so in Acts 11, we've got some of them, the men from Cyprus and Cyrene, 11 verse 20, um, who when they had come to Antioch, they spoke to the Hellenists, that would be the Greeks, the Gentiles, preaching the Lord Jesus. And then verse 21 says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. God had used Peter to the house of Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion back in chapter 10. Gentiles began getting saved there. Now they're getting saved up there in in the city of Antioch. 
People are coming to the Lord and they're gathering together with Jews and their brethren. Jews that have accepted the Messiah, Gentiles who have received the Messiah, and they're fellowshipping together. What is this thing? What is it that's happening? Historians have called Antioch the cradle of Christianity. Because there you had a church where people from all over the place and all different lifestyles and belief systems even now became together and were made one. And, And through the gospel, those walls that separated them were now torn away. Church was happening in Antioch. And they needed help, so they sent word to Jerusalem and the apostles and leaders in Jerusalem send Barnabas to come help teach and train and disciple. The folks there knew that they needed, they needed help. And then once Barnabas got there and looked at what was happening, he said, man, we're going to need even more help. And he went to Tarsus, a very long journey, found Saul and brought Saul back to Antioch. And then they spent a full year there just training and ministering, discipling, and raising up. In Acts 12, 25, Barnabas and Saul, previous to that, there was a bad famine. They were sent to Jerusalem with a gift from the church in Antioch. They come back to Antioch from their relief effort in Jerusalem, and then they bring John Mark with them back to Antioch. What a wild trip. When you read that section, they get to Jerusalem with the relief gift. James, one of the apostles, is killed by Herod. Peter was going to be next on the chopping block. He's locked up. An angel appears to him in jail, sets him free, leads him to the gate of the prison, opens the gate with nobody there, and out walks Peter. And he goes over to um, the house of, um, whose house was it? John Mark's mom's house. And they're all praying for his deliverance. And he's knocking on the door. You know the story. Rhoda, one of the young girls, comes, looks through the peephole. Huh? It's Peter. You know, runs back in and says, Peter's at the door. Be quiet, girl. We're praying for Peter. And it happened again. And finally, then in comes Peter. God had delivered him just in a mighty way. And so Peter's locked up. He's set free from prison. Herod, who had killed James, leaves town only to be eaten up by worms. Never a dull moment in the kingdom. When you follow that story. So I I never cease to be amazed how God works in our lives and in our churches. We are a church full of miracles. Calvary Chapel Buell. You are a miracle. When you think about what God has done. The only way I can explain the process and the circumstances that all came together when each of us received by faith Jesus' sacrificial and substitutionary work on the cross of Calvary. We believed that Jesus died to forgive us. And we turned from our sin and are now washed and cleansed and began following Jesus. Miracles. Just total miracles. And I can't wait to get to heaven and see further threads that were at work to get you and I to that place of repentance and turning our lives to Jesus and following him. And how many of you know that life, is it's a lifetime process to die to yourself? Anybody? Anybody wake up this morning with yourself still? You know, you die to yourself yesterday and you go to bed and you wake up and, you know, self has short-term memory that it died yesterday and it wakes up again the next morning. And I think Paul said, you know, I die daily. You ever wonder why he said that? I die daily because it's a daily battle with my flesh. I always want to do things that please me. That's the basic work of my flesh. But there's a greater power than the work of the flesh, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Spirit is far stronger than the work of the flesh when we yield to Him doing the work. 
And for most of us stubborn, thick-headed people, that's a hard process. And I can tell you from the day that I got saved, which was now some 40 years ago, God is still, you know, working on my head, working on my heart, working on myself. Chapter 13 continues the work of the Holy Spirit in the spread of the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. Acts chapter 2014, Calvary Chapel of Buell is continuing the work of the gospel. And part of that continuing is raising up and as a church sending out and as a church serving these missionaries while they're in the field. And should the Lord have them come back at some time, whether for furlough or, hey, this was a great thing, but it only lasted two or three years. Then the, then the mission of the church that sent them now has a mission for them to reenter and to come back. And Paul experienced all of that. The church not only sent him and Barnabas out, but when they were all through, they had a church to come back to where they would rehearse day after day all that the Lord had done through them while they were serving out in the field. Now with, with the Internet and email and Twitter and FaceTime and the crazy stuff that we have technologically, our missionaries don't have to be that far away where you can't just click on them and talk and send them a message and let them know that you love them and that you're praying for them and let them know what's happening here at the church as they get really involved in what's happening in Scotland. Same thing. Acts 13, I believe, serves as a model of missions for the church today. And there's three things that happen in these first four verses that we're going to look at this morning. Number one, God calls those whom he chooses. Number two, the church certifies this call. And number three, the church and the spirit send the missionaries forth, backing them with prayer and support. And so we really need to be studying this section of scripture, not, not scripture, not just as an ancient record, but as present day instruction for the church. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that is why this church revolves around this book. The Word of God, the living Word of God, that is leading us and guiding us in all that we do. So we begin Acts 13, verse 1. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, and I think it would be okay for us to put in the church that was at Buell, there were certain prophets and teachers. Now, there's men of God in this church. You've got elders and, and pastors, your senior pastor, Jackie, as he teaches the word. I was listening to him Friday night as uh, at the end of the concert when we had um, Andy... And Jamie and Beth come on up here, and everybody was putting their hand. I mean, this whole front area, post to post, was just filled with one after the other, people putting their hands on each other and praying for these guys in the center. And as Pastor Jackie was just praying, I was standing going, man, these words, these are words of the heart. These are our words of discernment. These are words of challenge to the body. I mean, he's speaking prophetically words of encouragement and exhortation at the same time. And Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, men's group, women's group, as you folks gather together, and whoever is teaching, how often are we just amazed and we say, how did you know that? 
Why are you picking on me this morning? What did I do to have you looking at me the whole service? I love the way the Holy Spirit works. You know, and when we prepare for a message, we don't, we don't know. And, and when I come into churches a lot now in support of our, um, the, the missionaries that we're going to be handling their, their admin support, that simply means everybody that's going to be giving to support them comes to one place and we make sure they get what they need each and every month. That's the nutshell of it. I got to quit going off on rabbit trails. I lose my train. So, prophecy, teaching. The gifts of, you know, an apostle was a messenger. The, the word apostle means a messenger. And in, in a sense, Andrew is going out in an apostolic sort of way. Now, Andrew, we are not recommending that you go, well, Calvary Chapel Buell has sent me to be an apostle to Scotland. That might get you in trouble. Go as a servant. That because that's what a messenger is. They proclaim, they herald, and they serve. And there was all these guys gathered together. All these men in leadership. And they're all so different. And I love that in, in Calvary chapels and other, and other churches, not just Calvaries, but when you've got people that are around the Word of God, you've got a congregation of folks that are engaged using their gifts, using the, the things that God has called them to do, and working together and building up the body. And so you got Barnabas, and his name means son of encouragement, a great encourager. The one who brought Paul alongside him. The one sent by the church in Jerusalem to help out the growing revival in Antioch. Barnabas was originally from the island of Cyprus. Simeon. It's possible that Simeon is the same Simeon that carried Jesus' cross at Calvary. Many believe that. Lucius, from, also from Cyrene. A city on the northern coast of modern Libya in Africa. He might have been one of the founding members of that church even before Barnabas got there since it was started by men of Cyprus and Cyrene back in Acts 11.20. And then you got this guy, Manaen, and it's thought that this man was either an intimate friend or perhaps an adopted foster brother of Herod Antipas who had killed John the Baptist. Would you say that's an eclectic group of people gathered together? Uh, Eclectic, that's a big word. That that's a widely di- different group of people that were gathered together with lots of lots of different backgrounds and what i love about church is that god forms a testimony to him through all of this mix that's right here in calvary buell and so as they ministered to the lord and fasted the holy spirit said now separate to me barnabas and saw for the work to which I have called them. The first thing to note in verse 2 is the foremost work of the ministry. It's not running programs, building buildings, even planting churches. The first work of the ministry is to primarily minister to the Lord as they ministered to the Lord. As a church ministers to the Lord, ministers to the Lord. What's that mean? As we're serving the Lord and as we're growing in our walk with the Lord, it's not just internal, it also has an external flow. As we minister to the Lord, and that's always, that's always putting the horse in front of the cart. That's the right way to get things done. Make sure you're ministering to the Lord. Make sure you're calling upon Him. Make sure you're on your knees and lifting your arms and just saying, God, we need to. We need your guidance. We need your wisdom. We need you to instruct us in this because we want church not to be done our way or even the Calvary way. We want it to be done the Jesus way. So Jesus, what are we going to do? And we open up God's word and we read his word and the Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word. And we find ourselves to be a body that's growing in the wisdom and the knowledge 
of the Lord. So that's the first thing to know. It wasn't random. It wasn't a random thing. They had been seeking the Lord. Understanding, you know, when you go back to Genesis chapter 12, you have one, one of the first um, declarations of the missionary heart of our God. Some say, some say God is a missionary God. He's always interested in his name being made known to the nations. It, it was never give, his name was never given for it to be a private secret club. Rather, we are blessed to be a blessing. Has God blessed you? Has he prospered you? Has he protected you? Has he met you? Has he given you comfort? When I lost my wife, I mean, I could spend the whole rest of our, our time talking about that. But I learned through the, all of that how to bring a level of comfort that I never knew how to bring. It's because I had been comforted, not only from my flock and family, but by many, many, many people in the community and by Jesus himself. And so when we go through trial and we're hurting and we trust God and he sees us through, then we can now be measured, be people that are vessels of comfort to somebody else who's going through a trial. And you and I both know that trials are a normal part of Christian life. They're a normal part of church life. And, and James said, you know, count it all joy, brethren, when, when you encounter various trials. Because the trying of your faith works patience. And let patience have its complete mature work in you. So, how does that happen? It happens as we are giving out. And sometimes as we give out, we're giving out people. We've been blessed with people. People are being raised up. And as the Holy Spirit is leading, churches are being planted. Missionaries are going out. People with, with great, great uh, disasters in their life through, through the misuse of alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever. You know, you've got people who now have been delivered from that, not to stay into just a little bless me club, but, but to reach out. And to let others be blessed. And that's part of what's happening here with Andrew and Jamie and Beth. They are being sent out. They've been a blessing here, and now they're going to be a blessing there. They've got a lot of friends here, and a lot of our friends would like to say, No, 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 don't go. What are we going? You know, we love you so much. And if you love them so much, release them, let them go. But don't let them go and be out of sight and out of mind. If you do, you're in disobedience to what the Lord's called you to do. This church is a sending church. Get used to it. And there's a lot of you sitting here. <laughs> you go, no, don't look at me. I don't want to be a missionary. Please, don't do that, Lord. You know? If you don't ever do that with the Lord, you, you start doing that with the Lord, and you, it's just you may as well have just drawn a big target on you, because <laughs> He's going to make sure you understand this. So we've been blessed to be a blessing, and we first minister to the Lord. Before any outward ministry takes place, there must first be upward ministry, ministering to the Lord, and that ministry is crucial to us being open to hear. And that's a really important part of prayer. When you're, when you're praying and seeking God, you want to be open to what he wants to say rather than just yak, 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 amen, and you go. But God wants you to wait. <laughs> just as he's ready to speak to you in regard to your prayer, you're taken off. Now, we need to wait on the Lord. We need to carve out those those precious times each day. And it might be only 20 minutes or a half hour when you can just quiet down and talk to the Lord and then listen to Him 
as he speaks to you through his word, as he speaks to you through other brothers and sisters, as he teaches you through the circumstances of your life, there's great fruit that comes from that. And this is a fruitful church. But get ready to go. How many of you have your passport? Awesome. You're part of the team that's going to go to Scotland to go visit these guys. <laughs> the rest of you, the rest of you, you'll spend more on coffee, you know, in the next month than it costs to get your passport. Go get your passport and be ready to go into other cultures, to go into other lands. Get ready to, to be a blessing. And if God blesses you financially and you've got resources, well, then you can help these guys. You yourself can go. You can help others go. You know, let's use what we have to be a blessing to others. Because the Lord promises us when we give, we can't outgive him. Because he gives back, full measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You can't outgive God. But we're not just talking, and some evangelists have done this to the hurt, I think, of the kingdom of God, where they've just made a big deal about how much money you give. There's somebody here that has $10,000 they're going to give to Jesus. I see you. That's manipulation. That's not the Spirit of God. You can hear the Spirit of God as you're falling in love with Him and in His Word. And maybe you do have ten grand that you're going to help here or help there. But you know, when you give something, you give it and then you forget about it. You don't give and keep strings on it. You give. And you leave it up to the Lord to take care of it. So I've heard it said, give and forget. Receive and never forget. So we need to be gracious on both ends. You might want to reference uh, Psalm 9, if you're taking notes, Psalm 96. Beautiful, beautiful words of praise and worship. Um, and the purpose of the praise and worship especially in Psalm 96, is making your name, your great name, known throughout the nations. And so even back when when David was writing the Psalms, when Asaph was writing the Psalms, there was the heart of God speaking through them for the world. It was never God's intent for Judaism just to be Judaism. And the Gentiles are fodder for the fires of hell. That's what Jesus was dealing with at his time. And there's many different sects, S-E-C-T-S, out there that are doing kind of the same thing. No, we're just, you gotta be just, you gotta be a, you know, you can't touch anything else, you can't go anywhere. You gotta wear holy underwear, you can't, you know, you just gotta be careful, you know. There's some pretty, strange things that lock people in. And I think that's what when something becomes a cult. It just locks in, and it's just us, and we're the ones that have heard from God nobody else has. You know, I mean, that that's what goes off in my head when I see that. Now, that doesn't mean we're not to love them. That doesn't mean we're not to reach out to them. That doesn't mean that we we shun them. Even if they shun us, we just... Hey, give me a hug, man. (laughs) Praying for you. Because the Holy Spirit can break down those kind of walls. And he's using us to do it. Um, Just a word about the, the fasting that they were doing. Fasting and ministering to the Lord are connected in this verse. And this should cause us to reflect on the place and value of fasting in our daily walk with the Lord. Ministering to the Lord should ideally be without a lot of distractions. Physically, a great deal of mental energy is used for the process of eating, digesting, 
and assimilating nourishment throughout our bodies. And do I hear an amen? Amen. I'm hungry now. Fasting can redirect all that extra energy to reflection, to worship, to prayer, to study. And there are many forms of fasting, simple, you know, fasting from simple, or, you know, from the extravagant fare. Um, you can also fast from non-food distractions, which are many in our day. I was a solitaire addict. <laughs> I, you know, I could just spend hours playing free cell and spider and not then I was going to getting online with people and trying to beat them and, you know, getting the highest score. And that's how I was expressing my competitive nature as my body's falling apart, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I realized about a year ago, duh, that that cannot be a part of my life anymore. It cannot. I can't even, I, I, for, for myself, you know, that was the extent of video games for me. I never got into any of that stuff. But it was a distraction. And I was seduced by that distraction. And only you can, can ask the Lord in your own life, Lord, what's distracting me from just having that time to think about you and to talk to you and to wait on you? And I bet you'll find a pretty good list if you're honest. There might be some interesting discussion at home. You know, are there any things that we can just let go of that eat us up? You know, if you're watching 10 hours of television, can you drop it to two? If you're spending hours and hours watching baseball, football, basketball, soccer, hockey, and we can just go down the list... And guys that want their man cave and their 60-inch screen TV downstairs. I like sports too. Oh man, it can eat you up. It can separate you, not only from the Lord, but from your family. So just a word on that. As you're preparing to be more of a church that is giving out, then it's going to require more of you. And Someone said it, you know, we need to, we need to travel light as we go through this world. So if there's a lot of baggage that's just sucking you dry, time to, time to get rid of it. Time to get rid of it, because God does want more of each of you. So that you can give more to those He's going to send you to. And it might just be here in Buell and the towns around. Twin Falls, Pocatello area. There's a lot of neat things happening. There's a lot of prayer going on for new churches to be planted. You guys can be a part of that. So seek the Lord on that. So the idea of fasting is to make less of you and more of God. Uh, it's not that your prayers... Uh, some people think, well, if I fast, then, you know, then God's going to give me what I want. No, that's not the purpose of fasting. The purpose of fasting is to hear the Lord better and let God have a better grip on your life so that your flesh isn't quite so strong. Upward worship should always result or be evidenced by an inward humility and an outward flow of God in directed service. And so the Holy Spirit speaks, likely through a prophetic word from those who are ministering to the Lord. And he says, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. God has a plan for you too. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let that be your, one of your life verses. When we receive Christ, God's work isn't over. It's just beginning. And it might not be traveling around the world preaching the gospel, but that's okay. God has people that he's raising up to do that, and you have the blessing to be able to help support that. So having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. 
So the church is sending them away. And finally, in verse 4, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went off to their field, to Motherwell, Scotland, to somewhere in Romania, to who knows where the next place is. And with Shepherd Staff, we've got 215 missionaries that are serving in 58 different countries. And we're having a blast watching what God is doing. Not only in the missionaries and the places they're going, but in the churches that are sending out their missionaries, sending out their own people and staying connected with them. And so they were sent out by the church. And the closing note is verse 4. They were sent out by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and you and I as the body of Christ working together. That's the picture. And they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Christus, to Cyprus. All Christian ministry needs that combination. And we can't begin to be the church God wants us to be without being a people who minister to the Lord and are empowered by his Holy Spirit to serve him as he wills. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time this morning. The time to be not not only in worship and in your word, but the time to actually witness the sending out and to be present here as a church congregation while the riches are being prayed over and are flying out tomorrow to Scotland. God, have our hearts. Have everything about us, Lord, that we can be your people called for the purpose of making you known right here and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God, we we pray again as a congregation for Andrew and Jamie and Beth. Pour out your spirit on them, Lord, and use them mightily, we pray. In Jesus' name.